Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by BoneMeat.org. They are education for facilities and property management. Check them out. Well, today we have a great show for you. We're going to talk about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. Did you know that REITs own $2 trillion in assets? And they also have, there's 80 million Americans that invest in REIT stocks. And it's a great way to be in the commercial real estate world, but uh, also uh, be liquid with your money. So uh, please welcome my guest. It's Calvin Schnurra, and he's with NEREIT. He's a PhD, and he's Senior VP with Research and Economic Analysis. And Calvin's joining us on the phone. Calvin, thanks for being with us, sir. Well, thank you for having me this morning. Well, Calvin, first of all, I'd like to ask you about some of the sectors. I'd like to ask you about some of the factors that you expect to impact commercial real estate moving forward and, and therefore REITs. But let's start off with, you know, what did you see for REIT performance uh, last year? You know, last year was a challenging year in financial markets for REITs, uh, for, for other real estate, and actually for the entire equity market. What we saw... I, the REITs were down a bit over 4% total return for the full year, which was uh, actually a little bit better than the S&P, which was down 4.4% total return. But what happened was you got late into the end of the year, and I think uh, anyone who was paying attention to the market saw this, there was a lot of concern. You saw a lot of volatility. Stock prices fell quite a bit. And it was that people were concerned that the economic expansion was coming to an end. We could be heading into a recession, they were thinking, and that the, the real estate sector might be hit by that. Um, now, you know, when we talk about the outlook for 2019, we're going to find out this was a false alarm. Uh, the REIT sector is still doing quite well in terms of their operations, and uh, the overall economy has uh, got quite a bit of momentum as well. But if you, if you look at what happened in the final couple months of the year, Last year, um, it pulled the whole pulled the whole equity market into negative territory. Yeah, it did. And you know, you mentioned the length of the cycle. I'd like to ask you about that. But also, there was a partial government shutdown, and you know, did that have something to do with it? And and how might that impact commercial real estate and, and therefore REITs? Well, I, I work in Washington D.C., and I've got friends who work in the government, so it certainly affected some people. I don't want to downplay the impact there. It was a uh, it was a big dislocation for a lot of workers, a lot of businesses. Uh, but in terms of a macroeconomic impact, it's hard to see anything that happened, even though this was a record-long government shutdown. Um, there were some temporary interruptions of businesses. There were some people who might not have gone to. To, to restaurants or things like that. But in terms of looking at quarterly GDP growth, quarterly returns for real estate, uh, it's, it really shouldn't even be on the radar. I see. And what about interest rates, though? It seemed like we were hearing from the Fed they may be doing some increases in 2019, but then it seems like after December, after you know, the government shut down, it seems like it's curtailed a little bit that maybe there won't be interest rate increases this year, or, or maybe if there are, there'll be less of them. What do you think, and what's the impact there? We're seeing a stable interest rate environment, and I don't expect rates to rise very much from where they are right now. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if rates do move back up a bit, but the point is they're going to move in a range that is very favorable for commercial real estate and is actually quite good for the overall economy. Now, the reason why is the Fed has a mandate to support full employment 
and price stability. I spent almost a decade working on the Fed staff and worked quite closely with these objectives. Uh, and in terms of price stability, there were some concerns last year because inflation rates had moved up a bit, moved above 2%, which is the Fed's inflation target. Well, it turns out that the price increases then, a lot of them were some temporary factors that once they've washed out over the past six or seven months, core inflation is running about one and three quarters percent. So it's below the Fed's target. The Fed can afford to be patient. Their public statements have said they're going to be patient. I wouldn't be surprised if the Fed uh, pauses or even stops the rate increases sometime in the first half of this year. That's going to be favorable for real estate, for REITs, and for the overall economy. Okay. And, you know, when I heard this and saw this, I, I was excited. I mean, I'm a commercial real estate broker uh, in the Southeast selling uh, some large and medium-sized assets. And I thought, well, that should be great for commercial real estate. And, 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 and is it really, is it great? What's it do to commercial real estate values? Is it really a uh, a shot in the arm for moving forward. Does it, and it also does it impact your thoughts on the length of this cycle? Does it further stretch out this great cycle we're in? Your question is, does a shot in the arm? I wouldn't expect this to give any extra boost to the real estate market. What it does is it takes away the threat that rising interest rates could slow activity. So uh, a good thing this isn't a grammar class because I'm putting a double negative in here. <laughs> it's not going to be a negative factor on real estate. Uh, but what that means is we, have a, we may have an interest rate environment pretty similar to what we had the past couple of years, which was quite good for commercial real estate. So I expect, I expect this expansion to continue. Uh, you asked a little bit about uh, a real estate cycle. Mm -hmm. I've actually stopped using the term cycle because that makes people think that there's some regularity, some predictability, some duration, that once you reach that duration, you should expect a downturn. Um, I spent a lot of time studying real estate downturns, and that's just not the way that it works. It's not the length of time that matters. It's if you have excesses, if you have excess building, if you have overbuilding, oversupply, uh, if prices rise too fast, if you have too much debt. Um, and we simply don't have those right now. Supply and demand are roughly balanced in most property types. Uh, this is a pretty good market to continue running. Uh, there's really no none of the warning signs, the red flags that typically precede a downturn. Yeah, I agree. It, uh, we don't have all those problems that we had at the previous downturn, but there's still some people who think that maybe there's a change in the economy in 2020. You know, what do you think? Well, it's pretty hard to predict that far out. Yeah. Um, there could be, could be changes in the economy, but um, those, those are really not, there's nothing of the magnitude that would cause a recession. So uh, two months ago, I was, actually, I was in Atlanta for uh, the American Economic, Economic Association meetings and was in a, in a, in a panel where uh, Fed Chairman Jay Powell and past Chairman Janet Yellen and Ben Bernanke were speaking about the outlook. And Ben Bernanke made a comment. He said about the length of the cycle, he said, economic expansions don't die of old age. They get murdered. <laughs> now, he got a laugh for that. But what murders them? Uh, there are a couple typical things. One is if the Fed is worried that inflation is rising fast and they want to slow the economy, then they raise interest rates and that can murder an expansion. Uh, we, we don't see that. And, and it takes more than a year or two for inflation pressures to build. 
And then the other things are what I was mentioning earlier, overbuilding, not just in real estate, but the overall economy. The point is those types of excesses take a couple years to build up, and we're still comfortably mid-cycle. That's great. And you mentioned new supply, and that seems like uh, you know, one of the big problems we've had uh, when we looked at last recessions or past recessions. And uh, construction costs, Calvin, you, you've seen it, that they just increase so much, it's uh, uh, almost incredible. Is that something that's maybe helping stabilize uh, commercial real estate in some way, maybe limiting uh, new supply and, and keeping values up on, on commercial properties if, they, if you can't compete with it because the cost of, to build them is, is so high? Current, you, you, yes, it is. Current uh, construction cost, costs, uh, sorry, I got those words jumbled in my mouth. Current construction costs are certainly um, a drag on the amount of, of new building right now. Uh, two areas in particular, labor. Uh, skilled labor is in short supply for many of the skilled trades. And that just means that you know, they need to either pay more or they may actually have difficulty uh, finding the workers that they need. So the, the, the timetable uh, for completing a building is drawn out by you know, several months. Uh, and that adds to the cost as well. But also there are materials costs. Many of the materials used in building construction, both residential and commercial, uh, have pushed up. Yeah, so that's making builders less eager to put up a lot of new buildings. And that's something that's you know, quite favorable for the existing buildings because a certain amount of demand is mostly going to the existing buildings, not, not the new supply. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, back to REITs for a moment. Um, are there any of the new crowdfunding or other ways that people are creating to, to invest in commercial real estate? Are they starting to impact REITs at all yet? Do uh, they have any competition, new competition out there? You know, crowdfunding is an interesting phenomenon. We see lots of stories about it. Um, it's not something that I've seen the REITs doing. Uh, the REITs, crowdfunding is for smaller amounts. Now, REITs are not raising huge amounts of equity capital, but they're raising, you know, hundreds of millions at a time for the overall, overall REIT industry raising, you know, tens of billions of dollars of capital. And that's an awful lot to raise from a crowdfunding source. REITs tend to rely on a couple of traditional methods of underwritten equity offerings that are quite often placed with large institutional investors, pension funds, insurance companies. These are the types of companies that manage our own money. I, me, as a worker, I have my retirement money. Much of it is managed by a pension fund. And they're the type of players who come to invest in REITs as opposed, as opposed to crowdfunding. The, you know, it's like a, a retail funding source. Okay. Well, Galvin, I want to ask you about your outlook and your thoughts on some of the various property sectors because there's certainly a lot of factors in the economy and the shared economy that are impacting commercial real estate and, and apartments and retail. So uh, we're going to do that right after this short break. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Bomi International, for facilities and property management education, visit bomi.org. Buyproxy.com. 
your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit buyproxy.com. Red IQ, turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit RedIQ.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. The excitement is brought to you by Red IQ. Turn data into actionable intelligence. Check it out at RedIQ.com. Now, all of our sponsors, you can always, always find them at commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're talking about REITs, Real Estate Investment Trust. My guest is Calvin Snoor, and he's a PhD, and he's also Senior VP with Research and Economic Analysis with NAREIT. And uh, he's joining us on the phone. Calvin, do uh, thank you for being with us, sir. Thank you, Michael. So, Calvin, um, I want to ask you about some of the property types. And, uh, you know, let's first talk about retail. It seems like a lot of people are concerned about retail. Uh, although it seems when we're marketing uh, retail properties, uh, there's multiple competing bidders, no matter if it's a core asset or something that's a value add, even to stress. So what do you guys see out there? What's your outlook for retail? The first thing you have to remind people is when you say retail, there's a big difference between a retail store and a retail property owner. We've seen lots of retail stores that are facing competition from sales on the internet. This has led to store closures and a number of big bankruptcies. And that's, that's hurt, certainly hurt the retail store sector, but that's different from the retail property because there are a lot of other stores that want to come and fill that space. Uh, what we've seen in the REITs that own retail properties is after a, you know, there's a short-term dislocation when a space is vacated, but uh, there are new tenants who are coming back in. You know, the occupancy rate on properties, retail properties owned by REITs, is, is still quite high. Um, it moved down a bit in 2017 because uh, there was uh, Toys R Us, Bonton, there were a number of large bankruptcies and, and store closings then. Um, but they got new people to fill that space. And so what that means is the retail property spec sector is, is still a good investment. Well, it's interesting when you see some of the uh, new uses in some of these retail properties. So does that mean some of the REITs that just focused only on retail are, are maybe branching out into other sectors? No, they, they, they continue to focus on retail. Um, but there are a couple of particular factors about REIT business strategy. They select higher quality properties in you know, higher income markets, in stable areas, and those are the ones that fare pretty well. There are a lot of shopping malls in the country that are in trouble, but they tend to be older malls in areas that have not had job growth, that may not have a whole lot of income growth, and, and frankly, the whole community is struggling. Um, that's a different type of retail investment than what the REITs do. The REITs try to choose something that is going to have a good store of value and good income growth, um, and, and those, those areas continue to do well, and, and, and I would expect them to continue to do well in the future. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I think retail is probably a sector where there's really a lot of opportunities, uh, especially um, on some of these properties that you may be changing use or, or changing tenants. Well, let's talk about office, uh, Calvin. There's a lot of uh, speculation about the office market, uh, you know, having some changes with shared space, co-working and, and people using less space per square footage, but it also seems like the... Um, 
the shortage of employees, that the recruiting and retention has become so important to companies that uh, you know they they really want nice office space. So you know when you look at the economy and the jobs and and everything out there, Calvin, what, what's your outlook for the office market and, and office REITs? The first thing to keep in mind is that the U.S. economy continues to produce a lot of new jobs, and a high share of that are office jobs, office employment. And um, ultimately, all the other factors that you mentioned, whether it's smaller space per worker, whether it's office sharing, whether it's some of these other uh, trends in the industry, um, those really aren't as important as the fact that job growth is good. Now we do we do see some of these other uh, some of these other trends, and actually I, I will say that the growth of demand for office space, the amount of leased space uh, uh, in in the in the market, uh, has been growing more slowly than overall job growth, uh, which reflects some of these issues. Whether it's uh, new workspace environments where you have more common areas. Um, workstations and less focus on the traditional office uh, around the perimeter. Um, and the, the office sharing are also spreading, although you think about it, the office sharing, it's not clear how much of a negative that is for the demand office space because many of the people who are using that space might not have leased any space at all. They're just saying instead of being from their home uh, or some other crowded place, they're choosing something that is some temporary part-time office space, that's still net new office demand. But overall, these factors that have been uh, taking a little bit of the steam out of the growth of the office market really aren't as strong as the fact that job growth is still good, and you still do see uh, you know, a lot of increase in demand. Yeah. What about the construction costs? We talked about that in an earlier segment and its impact on commercial real estate. And you know, there's a lot of, of construction involved and, and a lot of office properties to, to build them out for, for new tenants. And then, of course, you have the impact on new supply. Is, is office sector really impacted by constru rising construction costs potentially more than other sectors? Well, I, I would say that office is feeling the same pressures that other sectors do. Many of the materials are the same, whether you're building an office building or whether you're building a residential or retail. You know, the structure is not fundamentally different. And a lot of the skilled trades that are in short supply are the same across all of those. So I would say that this is a common factor across many types of commercial construction. And Calvin, are, there's a trend with a lot of tenants and a lot of companies to try to have more flexible leases. Maybe it's from uh, lease accounting of the FASB. Maybe it's just from the flexibility and the rise of, of co-working and, and kind of just kind of stay on top of employment. You know, is, is that having an impact on office REITs? I'm, I'm sure REITs would love to have really big, strong tenants with very long leases. Any impact there? There still are an awful lot of tenants who want to sign a 10-year lease because they are expecting to stay in business and they have a solid workforce and, and they need that space. You do also see others who are looking for shorter leases and certainly the office sharing companies are in the forefront of, of pushing for shorter term leases. Um, but ultimately that just means that the property owner needs to keep an eye on 
how they're going to make sure the space is filled next year or the year after instead of looking out five or seven years. Um, and that's a business risk. They're in the business of managing these types of risks, and, and they've got a pretty good handle on it. Okay. Let's switch over to multifamily, Calvin. It seems like in a lot of these big cities like uh, where we live uh, in Atlanta, there's been a lot of cranes, a lot of new construction, but uh, for the most part, it seems like uh, these, these properties are leasing up well, even though the rents are, are, are pretty high. Uh, what's your outlook for multifamily and the impact on REITs there? Well, you've hit on all of the factors there. There is a lot of construction, um, but they're leasing up pretty quickly and rents are pretty high. The apartment market is going to continue to be very firm. When I say firm, I mean you're going to see high occupancy rates, very low vacancy rates, and rents are going to remain high. I'm not sure if they're going to rise very rapidly because one of the biggest challenges facing American households is affordability of the rent, affordability of their housing. And essentially what happened was after the housing crisis, there was a sharp slowdown in how many living units we built, how many housing units. So I say units to mean both single-family homes and apartment units. And that means that there's a still a big backlog of people who are in a bit more crowded situation. They're maybe roommates with a, with a group or maybe move back with family members when they're at a time in their life when they might have wanted to go out and sign their own lease or maybe even buy their own home, but there just isn't much supply available. Uh, and that backlog is very big relative to the annual construction every year. So I would say for 2019, and actually even in the two or three years in the future, you're going to see very solid demand for any properties that come on the market. Okay, well, let's switch to industrial. Seems like industrial has just been doing incredibly well. Uh, what's your outlook there? Well, you, you're right. Industrial has been a star performer, and it's important to keep in mind when we say industrial, this is not like a factory. Uh, the growth in industrial is in the logistic facilities that are used to ship e-commerce goods, things bought on Amazon, things bought on eBay. Uh, the industrial facilities are essentially the hub for the last mile of delivery. There's been tremendous demand growth. Everyone, I'm sure everyone is aware of this because we've all bought things on our phone and had it shipped there the next day. How does that happen? It's because there are these facilities that are located near an airport, maybe near uh, near highways, and also very close to consumer centers so that you can get the goods to the customers quickly. And the growth of demand for this space has been just as fast as the growth of Internet sales. That is, is very, very rapid. So among all the property sectors, uh, you see industrial has some of the highest rent growth in terms of the space itself. And also they've got very good stock returns. Uh, you know, over the past three years, the total return has been almost 22% a year if you invested in industrial REITs. That's, that's a really solid return, just reflecting as a favorable market. Yeah. Yeah, the industrial guys are, are really smiling today. Uh, well, Calvin, you've been doing this a very long time. Uh, and are you seeing commercial real estate become a more favorite asset class for institutional investors and then for investors in general as they're looking at all the types of assets they can invest in? Well, there's always been real estate, and someone has always had to own it and invest in it. 
And until 25 years ago, most of this was just direct holdings by private investors, endowments, pension funds, and so on. And individual investors did not have a whole lot of opportunity because, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure about you, but I can't go out and buy a 20-story office building myself or even, even a part of it. One of the big changes is the growth of the modern REIT industry that went from being a pretty small part of the market 25 years ago to, at this point, REITs own about 20% of the institutional quality investment-grade commercial real estate in the U.S. So what does this mean? It means that there's $1 trillion of market cap of equity investments in REITs that are available for individual investors as well as institutional investors uh, to gain an exposure to commercial real estate. Now, now, why is this important? I know you work with commercial real estate, but I want to just bring this point up again. The investment characteristics of commercial real estate can really help buffer the other risks in someone's portfolio. Uh, the, it helps diversify the portfolio. So an individual who may have some savings and may have a retirement plan, if they're able to put some money into REITs or into a REIT index fund or REIT ETF, um, that can help some of the reduce reduce some of the risks in their portfolio over time. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I've always seen commercial real estate uh, as a hedge against inflation. I know it just, just seems like a safe bet. So are investors adjusting their allocation uh, for commercial real estate as they see uh, the economy kind of roll along and, and kind of the stability that commercial real estate has? Is there a higher or less allocation out there for, for real estate? You know, uh, these allocations can't switch fairly quickly. I mentioned uh, you know, the trillion dollars of REIT market cap, and you've got uh, you know, like 15 to $20 trillion of total commercial real estate uh, properties. Uh, that's uh, you know, the higher quality, mid-quality, and everything. And you just can't have huge shifts in that over the short term. So there are some pricing differences. You know, the REITs are doing pre quite well right now, and that reflects some different pressures in the market. But in terms of overall allocations, you've seen rising allocations to REITs over the past decade or so, uh, but not a whole lot of shift over the short term. Okay. Well, Calvin, what would you leave our audience with related to commercial real estate moving forward and, uh, and REITs? I would point out that there really are no signs that the year ahead is going to be that much different from, say, the past three years. And those past three years were very favorable for real estate. You had uh, solid macroeconomic growth with consumer spending, job growth, the types of things that give demand for commercial real estate space. And as a result, REITs have had good earnings and capital appreciation, and that's something that's really nice to have in your portfolio. Good. You make me feel better, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us, sir. My pleasure. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please comment. Please share. Let us know what you think and reach out to us. If you have an opportunity, thank our sponsors. You can find them at CREshow.com. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by BullRealty.com, Commercial Real Estate Asset and Occupancy Solutions, RedIQ.com, turning data into valuable action. 
buyproxy.com, a complimentary listing service. Commercialagentsuccess.com, video training from Michael Ball. Bomi.org, property and facility management education. To access these recommended companies or for more podcasts and videos, visit CREshow.com.